Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, a podcast by Rotten Tomatoes. And for the very first time in the Rotten Tomatoes studio, we are all here together. I am Mark Ellis. That is Jacqueline Coley. Jacqueline, we did it. We made it to a studio only 120 episodes into the show. It is really strange because what I want to tell people is this is what we used to do. Like back when there was a world, it was always here. I did not have to be an audio engineer. I did not have to know about what, what settings we had on the Motu. I miss these days. I'm so excited and excited that we have our girl back, Mr. Danny. This is Danny Fernandez. Here I am. Very special guest, uh, actress, producer, writers uh, for everything from Netflix to Amazon shows and uh, author, written comic books. You worked with DC. You really have done it all, but it feels like this is your season, Danny. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, Halloween. I thought yes. you just meant like I was winning. And that's what <laughs> literally threw me off, y'all. It, for those that are just listening to this, Danny has really come with the Halloween, Halloween spirit as she looks like Beetlejuice. So Love I it. really wanted to say Mr. Beetlejuice, Well, as far Danny. as the costuming goes, yeah, yeah. you don't actually represent Beetlejuice. Like, it's not like she like went makeup. No, no, but it's very like... She didn't go full Keaton. I would call it Disney bounding. 100%. Disney bounding yeah. Beetlejuice. Low-key cosplay. Low-key cosplay, yeah. But yeah. you look very fall as well. I think we're all doing a lot of fall, although Danny did say that you're a little bit too spring. But honestly, I could see this at a Friday Night Lights football game. I really could. That's true. That's true. That's That's what Danny is here to do. She's here (laughs) to take my ego when it starts soaring and I get a little Icarus. She's the sun. And she just melts that wax and just gets me right back down to earth. I feel like I'm sort of like a prequel. This is like the Jeepers Creeper Scarecrow when he was still alive and, you know, going to high school, (laughs) meeting women. Before the, the the bad stuff started happening. I absolutely agree with that. I'm also glad to be back. I know I've had like a sporadic bit of attendance, but I was at the Middleburg Film Festival <laughs> last week. I know I haven't been on the podcast a lot. Like I know, let's let, let's stress the wow. elephant in the room. I've been traveling. What a nice glossing over. A sporadic attendance record of yeah, late. of late. And Bueller, it's- <laughs> Bueller. Nine times. Jacqueline's been all over the world going to film festivals. But uh, this past weekend, I met a really uh, great fan at the Middleburg Film Festival. He's on my Instagram and he was super sweet. And I told him that I got to come back to the episode today and tell him, like, you know, guess what? Like, I met a fan in person and you weren't there, but you were you were doing your own travels. this past. I was in San Diego at the wonderful La Jolla Comedy Store this past weekend. A lot of fans, a lot of RT is wrong fans because really, well, you can tell when they're a fan of the show because 
because that's the they don't come up to you and say like, hey, thanks for a great show. Like, can I get a picture? Their first thing is they'll just name a movie. Oh my gosh! And yeah. then they just want to go right into what the tomato meter is, and particularly this time of year, a lot of horror movies mm. that are getting too high or too low for a particular fan's taste on the tomato meter. So it's a really fun episode of the scariest movies of all time that we're doing today. But this is a different list than you might be expecting when you tune into the show, because this is not strictly by tomato meter. So we have a top 10 here. And how we got the top 10, Danielle, is a fan poll that we did back in 2020. So it was this massive outreach that we did. We wanted everybody to participate via the website, RottenTomatoes.com. And Fandango. We did all of our partner sites, too. Across all these platforms. And so now we have the top 10 fan-voted list from 2020. Let's get into this thing. Number one is The Exorcist. All time. Still from 1973, The Exorcist, number two is Hereditary, number three is The Conjuring, number four is The Shining, number five is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's the original from 74, number six is The Ring, the American version from 2002, number seven is Halloween, you know which Halloween it is, the OG, the original, number eight is Sinister, nine Insidious, and number 10 is It from 2017. I asked the question to our guest first, Danny Fernandez, (laughs) is Rotten Tomatoes, or in this case, the Rotten Tomatoes fan poll wrong about the scariest movies of all time? I have to say the Rotten Tomatoes fan poll is wrong about the scariest movies of all time. I heard a lot of iconic horror movies on there, and I want to say there's a difference. Legendary, iconic horror. The best horror movies of all time is different than the scariest scariest movie of all time. I just want to say that. I I completely agree. And as the writer that she is, words matter, (laughs) words matter, words matter. No, I I, I agree. Although I will say of this list, I've seen everything on it except for I have not watched number one all the way through. So I do think that is indicative of it. And I do think The Exorcist? Oh, The Exorcist. uh, Because you were too scared? I just feel like that's not a place for me to go. I had enough fear of religion okay. growing up, yeah. and I don't need an entire film <laughs> to let me know that religious is some scary sh- Yeah, you know? And the one thing I will say about The Exorcist, too, is I've watched tons of, like, um, film essays on it. I know everything that happened. I've yeah. seen clips from it. But just the idea of immersing myself and giving myself over to that film, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair play. I, I think that we all had an infusion of of religious dogma right. somewhere in our yeah. careers growing up. And, and I think a lot of people are like that, whether it's Catholicism or something else. But The Exorcist, it can just get in your bones in a different way than anything else on this list. Yeah. For me, anyway, there are some movies that I see here that I'm like, okay— it's a good movie. It's a scary movie. But how did it get in over this? Yeah. So we're going to talk about all these things. We all think that the list is wrong somewhat. And somewhat. so we're just going to reconfigure our list. But before we get into our take on this and we get deep into the movie talk with the spookiest movies of all time, let's turn it over to our buddy, Tim Ryan. He's our expert review curation manager here. He kind of compiles all of the reviews and he's going to tell us what the critics were saying at the time of, I guess, some of these releases. Tim Ryan, it's you only get two minutes. That's the segment. Two minutes with Tim. It's going to be a mouthful. Way back in 2020, we at Rotten Tomatoes asked our users, what are their picks for the scariest movies of all time? Before I start, I just want to note, these are not the best reviewed horror movies of all time, though a few of them are in the running for that title as well. So here it is, the top 10 scariest movies as selected by RT users. Number one is The Exorcist from 1973, which is certified fresh at 84% on the tomato meter with 86 reviews, and it has an 87% audience score. 
Number two is Hereditary from 2018, which is certified fresh at 90% with 383 reviews, and it has a 69% audience score. Number three is The Conjuring from 2013, which is certified fresh at 86% with 226 reviews, and it has an 83% audience score. Number four is The Shining from 1980, which is certified fresh at 82% with 101 reviews, and it has a 93% audience score. Number five is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, which is certified fresh at 88% with 65 reviews, and it has an 82% audience score. Number six is The Ring from 2002, which is fresh at 71% with 206 reviews, though it has a 48% audience score. Number seven is Halloween from 1978, which is certified fresh at 96% with 81 reviews, and it has an 89% audience score. Number eight is Sinister from 2012, which is fresh at 63% with 157 reviews, and it has a 62% audience score. Number nine is Insidious from 2010, which is fresh at 66% with 176 reviews, and it has a 62% audience score. And finally, at number 10, It from 2017 is certified fresh at 86% with 390 reviews and it has an 87% audience score. So those are RT users' scariest movies. Happy Halloween! Trick or treat! Back to you folks! Ah, there we go. So we get the rundown again, and uh, I feel like this is one of those lists where we get to talk about the first time that we saw a truly scary movie. The first movie that really stuck with us. So let's just go ahead and get into movie talk right now. Okay, so Danny, first time you sat down, maybe you were by yourself, maybe you were with your family, and you knew that you were going to watch something scary. It wasn't like, oh, this happened to be on TV, which was my intro into The Exorcist, by the way. It was just on TV one time. And we all sat down and watched it. And was it like Showtime or HBO or something? Was it, it like say, un- did you get the full effect? Was it, it was, on network TV? Like yeah. what? What? It, it must have been on network TV. This was back. You had the like the the, the we had the little TV. This was I find that hard to believe. Eighty eight in Northern they California. It. I and, do remember it. But but it wasn't scary to me initially. It, or or my siblings, my older yeah, sister, my younger it on, brother. Like, ABC. <laughs> it was hilarious to us because yeah. there was this girl who was our age who was throwing up and her head was spinning and she was saying bad words and we're like this is our hero yeah this is this is the rebellious nature that we that we feel inside of ourselves if they can put scarface on network television wow. and find a way to like change all of that they can find a way in the 80s it was. I, mean, I, mean, I think i would love to see the edit yeah it, i mean I would, it's probably like a half hour it, it, it didn't <laughs> hold up then three years later i saw it again went in all cocky very different answer but i cut you off danny yeah. what is your scary movie the first time you sat down and you're yeah. preparing yourself oh well those are two different things. So I just want to say my first scary movie that I saw, it was one of those things where like my family, you know, your family would get like HBO for the weekend or something. Like they would do some Showtime like, free Showtime preview. Free, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Free and preview. So, and so for my brothers and I, we watched House on Haunted Hill, the remake. Mm. It's still messed up. Oh It is yeah. messed up. There's somebody being cut open. There's like, we, it was like weird experiments in this insane asylum. And so we were watching that as little kids, which we should not have been watching. Terrified me. And a very Haunting. eclectic cast in that movie. Yes. yes. I remember that cast too. That was, a, that was an interesting one. There's a ton of things on here that I would like go one or the other, but I can definitely think of like auditions not on here. Like audition, the scary movie. Is oh, not I didn't on think here. that. That I didn't yeah. think that House on Haunted Hill was the scariest. It was just my first scary. Oh, movie your first that scary I movie. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. What was your gateway drug? My, well, I didn't watch them for forever. So the first movie that I can actually remember buying a ticket to that was a scary movie was The Grudge, and I was forced to go see it with that boy. Oh, and you went on a date to yeah, see The Grudge. He made me go see The Grudge, and I was like, um, we are done. 
Like I was like, I we, just we are feel not like, and, and, and this poor guy, he probably didn't know what he was getting into. But probably it, didn't. I, I don't, I'm all for you, you meet you meet a nice young lady, young man, whatever the case may be. You want to go on a date? I think a scary movie is a I fun think it's a good yeah. date. first date. But the grudge in particular, not so much because let's say things are things are working, things are flowing, and you're gonna make out after the movie, right? Let's say it's happening. The grudge is the worst one to see because that's the one where the kid's mouth. It just keeps opening, mm-hmm. and so if you're going in for a kiss, that's probably still in your head a little bit that they the mouth's going to get. I it, it doesn't feel like it's a kissy kind of movie. And there's a lot of like dragging, like yeah. the body coming after you. Like it's almost better to have a jump scare movie where you jump mm-hmm. and then you want to go to the person. But this is literally like the this you know morbid little being is like crawling <laughs> out of the TV. It was such a disturbing movie. I don't know what that kid was thinking. Terry, if you listen to this podcast, Hilarious. email in. What was your you thought process? <laughs> Speaking of uh, crawling through the TV one way or the other, I think the people probably listening or watching us at home, they heard the list, mm-hmm. the top 10 fan voted list from 2020 and they're like well where's poltergeist i think that's a movie yeah. that you can that you can safely say really was the the first scary movie that an entire generation saw growing up it came out that magical year of 82 and it still scares the crap out of me poltergeist Danny Fernandez. Poltergeist is one of my favorite movies. That really? to me, but there's there's horror movies that are popcorn movies, and Poltergeist is a popcorn movie for me. Yeah. It's like something that you can safely, like, comfortly, you know, it doesn't have a lot of like body <laughs> gore. What? Why are you laughing? I it's, I would never think of Poltergeist as a comfort movie. But if you're a horror fan, that means you can you've seen every horror movie. You can take on a lot of horror. There are things that are incredibly unsettling that like I literally want to vomit. And Poltergeist is not one. It's, it's just like an like action a, thriller. It's like a yeah. fun, like scary. Yeah. You know the clown my one of my the one of my still all, gets me as a yes the tree still gets as me. someone Fair. that is making tv and film now one of my favorite the pra- that they practically shot was a scene in the kitchen with the chairs mm. and so that they practically did where you see the mm. camera trick of they they turn and then they had glued i believe all those chairs together and set them there you yeah know? and it's so i love anything i love that a lot of filmmakers are going back to practical effects i just think there's something very tangible that's like super creepy about it mm. um so i love poltergeist i don't think it's this Scariest? That's fair. Cause I'm going to come back to you because I want to know what's the scary movie that y'all didn't hear in the top 10 yeah. that you think needs to be in the top 10. So we're all going to take a movie out. This, okay. this is like your fantasy football roster. Okay. You okay. can't just keep putting movies in the top 10. Right, right, right. You want to put something in, you got to take something out. I'm going to kick us off with a movie that I think if we're just going scariest, okay. because you made a great point up top, Danny, it's not necessarily the movie that has the best tomato meter rating or, or the most iconic horror movie. It's the one that scares the crap out of you the most. It never did that for me. Same. I, I think we saw it together. We did. Yeah, because I was still <laughs> back in this studio. There was a different show. <laughs> well, especially because Jacqueline at the time, because I think she had just found out that Bill Hader had been cast in It Chapter 2. Oh, right. So Jacqueline's in there the whole time just watching this prequel for her future boyfriend to be in the sequel. Husband, but thank you. I'm just I thought you were going to say, I thought when you started to say, you were like, that's back when I was with. And I'm like, man, Jacqueline just marks all of her movies by who she's dating. I mean, honestly, yeah. no, no. But that's back when we were doing a different show we were doing it for mm-hmm. it i remember that and that was like mm-hmm. early days me and mark uh seeing screenings not quite friends yet but definitely knew who he was and i was not scared by that one because i remember we actually had to do a rotten tomatoes like trip to the movies mm. because at that time i remember telling them i don't want to go oh. <laughs> and so it was we had like, to get a, we had to get a school bus it was literally the entire rotten tomatoes Hilarious. production Signed staff permission to get slips. scaredy oh cat but I, that was like the last movie that i ever even felt trepidation i agree i would kick that one out too okay so it, it is at number 10 and it's 86% certified fresh. I think we can all agree it's a very enjoyable movie. 
And and I love the opening sequence of and that. That's terrifying. One of the best openings in horror history. Yeah. Yes. But then you're just more rooting about the kids against the bullies. Mm. And then Pennywise kind of shows up. And I also had to turn into a parent at the screening of that movie because my dear friend Josh Bakuga was sitting next to me at the screening, and he is the he's the wimpiest person I've ever seen walking <laughs> wow. into it. His, his face was in my armpit the whole movie, so I couldn't really be scared. I had to put on a strong face for him. I'm taking it out, and the movie I'm putting in, it, it might sound a little odd, and we know that I'm a fan of threes on this show. I love Return of the Jedi. I love Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I'm putting in Paranormal Activity 3. Oh, oh, that's so fair. Great. That's Dang. a great it's one. Great. That is a great it's one. It's the yeah. best of all yeah. of them because that's the one you talk about the cool Pra-practical camera trick. Practical effects, yes. In, yeah. in Poltergeist, you have they the kitchen copied, scene. Yeah, they had a they, homage to that. Of yeah. course, it was a, a very an homage. Did they did they steal it from Poltergeist? They put a camcorder on an oscillating oh, fan, so and so the oscillating fan it goes here, and you don't see nothing. Goes back the other way, and then you come back, and oh my god, the kitchen! What happened? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to pass this up real quick because we did talk about Poltergeist, which isn't on here. It's not the one I put on my list, but I also really appreciate the revenge of gentrification uh, sort of theme that is at the bottom <laughs> of Poltergeist. And a, a lot, lot of these. these. It's like, no, like, there's just certain things about horror films that are tropey and that are awful. But any horror movie where the black person is, or like the people of color, the ones be like, y'all need to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the indigenous folks, you Fade built their house. Yeah. The Shining yeah, was Shining. another where they another. talked about the indigenous community that, yeah. Was, like, warning mm-hmm. these nice meaning Caucasian, leave. <laughs> like, yeah, or like, you literally uh, built it on yeah. our land. It's so, so funny. So what's your scary movie? What are you, are you taking out it as well? Yeah, I would definitely take out it. I would honestly also take out either Insidious or uh, Sinister. I think both of them are great, but I feel like it's two songs in the same key. Um, <laughs> and I would definitely take out The Ring. The Ring is not to me. Oh, no. I would take out The Ring. Jacqueline. I would take out The Ring. Is it that the original no. or is that the remake, though? It's the remake, and it's still so good. The, I didn't, well, there, oh, there's been two man. Ring remakes. This is this is Naomi Watts, yes. 2002. No. This is the direct remake of the Japanese film Ringu, not The Ring remake right, right, right. in like 2017 or whatever, where it's like getting at you through YouTube, which is no. definitely no, feel there, the same. I just got to say, there was nothing really like this. This mm-hmm. was so like traumatizing to me. I did see it in a theater. I was either in middle school or high school. It was it, it, like the the video itself, the defo- like their faces once they had seen after their seven days. The her obviously coming out of the TV. The video itself. The video itself was terrifying. The woman the brushing horse, her hair. Gets the me. horse running I'm off. Not, the horse running oh, off of the yeah. boat. Felt bad about that. The fly when she when she like when she like freezes it and she's like trying to move the frame. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I could talk about this movie forever. But also, I want to talk about our traumatizing things that happened when we were young. Wait, wait, I, I had. To pick my movie though. Let me just pick my oh. movie I'm adding in. Hold oh, on. Oh, this is not what I'm adding in. I just want, I just needed to, to defend it. <laughs> no, look, I don't hate the ring. I do like it. It's just, it was fun. It was fine. I am not trying to pretend. I really liked Ringu. I liked Ringu. It's a different type okay. of horror. Feels it's a like, very different type like of horror. Feels like Jacqueline's trying to not think about the ring. Feels like you're trying like to repress this. It's not repressing. It was scary. It just, I, when you know the other beats of the other movie and you saw this one second, to my personal opinion, I think I should have saw The Ring first and I'll it would have been that. a different That's movie fair. and as far as me being scared by it. Yeah. Now, the movies that I would say, though, to add back in here would actually be Final Destination, the first one. That's great. Final Destination, okay. the first one, okay. and or Audition, which is body horror, but yeah. Lord. Oh my God, Japanese horror, they know how to torture people. That is the only thing I will say. Like that oh will be stuff, you will have images that you will think about 
Because that's to me what scary is. Mm. Any movie can scare me for the hour and a half or two hours that we're sitting in the theater. The movies that I think of as the most scariest are the ones that will literally like shake me up into a daydream to be like, oh, what happened? Oh, this is not coming to me. That is a real scary movie. That's the mm. thing about, for whatever reason, that The Ring did to me. And it's not just because I was a big fan of renting movies and watched a lot of VHS tapes. There was just something about The Ring that just got into my skin. I was like you. I saw it in the theater. I was in college. My sister and I went. We're big horror movie fans. And we saw it midday. But you know when you walk into a theater and it's like overcast, it's like 4 p.m., and you're like, okay, I can handle this movie now. Then you walk out and the sun's gone down and now it's just dark. And you're like, oh, God, this is going to be a long night, isn't it? <laughs> That's the feeling I had with The Ring. You had some childhood trauma to get off your chest. Oh, no, yeah. I was just going to say that I had like a disposable camera back then. That's what we used to do, do oh, as yeah. friends. And so my mom had picked up pictures for me and I asked her if she had them. And I was wearing these like white tennis shoes as you did back then. and um, Or now. No, I just, I just mean like those chunky ones, you yeah. know, and the flare, the flash of it had smeared my face in like multiple pictures. Oh no! And so I was just, I just like lost it. And my mom thought it was so funny <laughs> that this had happened to me from like this Costco, like photos or whatever that I she dig. had picked up. I hope it was just the shoes. Yeah. Smear no, it but yeah, they had like smeared multiple pictures of my face. Are you and sure so it I wasn't picked, some sort of demon that infiltrated? I am alive now, unless this is dream world, Danny. And I mean, according really to the Nobel Prize winning physicist this year, maybe not. <laughs> this could all yeah. be a simulation. Okay, this is. I, I, I like to break down horror movies by sort of the subgenre that they are, because the, the other movie that I think, even more so than It, that I would take out, just because at least I can really enjoy It, I just don't see a whole lot of redeeming value other than the movies it inspired to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. It, it came out in 74. It's an independent mm. film. I appreciate all that stuff. It just never really got me anyway other than this is gross and I feel weird watching it. Uh, you're from Texas, Danny. Yeah. I don't know if you so have a yeah. different feeling on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but that's one of these like slasher sort of serial killer movies, which I think are cool and they get under my skin, but not as much as the demon movies, the possession movies, the psychological horror movies, mm. like The Exorcist. And that's why I think The Exorcist is still a worthy number one is because regardless of how you think the, the makeup and the practical effects translate to modern day, I think it still holds up pretty well. But it's just the fact that this little girl did nothing wrong. She just was in the wrong place. And there was a demon that was just like Captain Howdy is like, I'm getting into this. And now we got to deal with it. And it just... <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, the boogeyman 
of Jason or Freddie or uh, Leatherface, any of those, they're just easier to compartmentalize in your mind of like, yeah. of course, this person is not going to become down the street hunting for me. Like, sure. that's much easier. But who knows what freaky spirits are out there? And if you're a person that honestly believes in that type mm -hmm. of energy, obviously, it's much more. Yeah. Like, honestly, I fear more for Tom Brady's current situation, <laughs> having <laughs> angered a witch, than I ever would that hilarious. Jason or Freddie are coming for me. Not hilarious. That is facts. Oh, Have you seen that what? man? You watched him this past weekend. Does he look like Tom Brady? Somebody said that they were looking at a press conference of Tom Brady and that, and I wish I could give them credit, but they said that Tom Brady now looks like Mark Wahlberg playing Tom Brady that. in a movie. You. Yeah. you said that to me, where yeah. it where like Tom Brady has to has to like save the world and he's played by Mark Wahlberg. It's not inaccurate. No, and I will say this too. It's like I that to me is terrifying. Like putting the wrong energy to the wrong person mm. and having it come back to you threefold. The things about the craft and all of that, like that was not a necessarily scary movie watching it. It's just a teen sort of, you know, thriller, but that idea, any movies that tap into that, they they're coming for me. But the craft is one of those sort of gateway movies. Yeah. That we talked about earlier, where like if you see the craft and you're and you're a kid, you kind of get inspired by it, and, and you want to investigate more of this stuff, and then that leads you down the pathway of getting to scarier movies. Like The Witch is another one that yes, I right. would, yeah, which I would crazy. put in the top ten. But it's not like a, it's not a lot of jump scares in that movie. Mm -mm. So Danny, as like a writer, as somebody who acts in these sort of things, what is it about those creepy crawly movies that don't necessarily try to get you every five minutes? They just build this sort of fear and this momentum and this tension throughout yeah, the runtime. I think something that what Jacqueline was saying of, of it being psychological and something that's completely out of your control. Because when I look at slasher movies, which I love, I love slasher movies. Halloween is one of my favorite movies of all time. Sure. As you said, there's so many copycats that came after that. It was really groundbreaking. Also for the lack of blood that mm -hmm. they had, but it still makes you feel like there's, there's so mm -hmm. much gore happening. Um, but humans you can kill. Humans, I know. I live. I live and know humans. We know human nature. We've like all you killed could, humans you, before. Mm -hmm. You could. You could kill a person with a, a plastic bag. I'm sorry. Yeah. You could. Yeah. Uh, if you if you wanted <laughs> two feet to. of water, you uh, know, two inches of water, you there can kill you a person. There you go. You know, you accidentally hit them on the head and the wrong nerve. They're gone. Yeah. That's it. And so, y'all have some pretty good methods here. This is <laughs> we're women. We we're have women. to know these things. <laughs> we do have to know these. We things. have to know these things. This is why I'm single, so, folks. And also, Michael, who I love, who who seems to be you know invincible, moving a little slow. This last movie, moving yeah. a little slow. So, you know, father he was time. never and exactly Usain Bolt when it came to athleticism. I mean, Michael's I mean, just lumber. The music I is mean, what makes people think he's moving faster. Okay, Let's not, keep not, it real. The music. Is okay, I'm just saying he was, he was a little hunched. and I love him. Anyways, but like humans are, humans you can kill. Whereas ghosts, demons, and the fact that they can... Um, look like your loved ones, I think mm. is a terrifying thing. The fact that they can get in your head. Right. That's what the that, that's what Pazuzu did in The Exorcist is when she's messing with Father Karras and she mm -hmm. turns into his mom. Also, that's it the follows. Scariest yeah, it, it follows. It follows is a great yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually uh, I'm glad you bring up It Follows because that was a brilliant horror movie. So great. I'm slightly disturbed that they made that movie give us the reason to keep that filmmaker making other movies, which I don't think have lived up to that first one, oh. but I, I appreciate his effort on that first one because it was so groundbreaking and it was just it was great. a completely different look. And there's other films that I feel I would put in there. I would put Cabin in the Woods because for the first half of Cabin in the Woods, I was 
in that as a horror movie and everything it was about. And it just became even more brilliant when Drew took it to where he ended up taking it. Cabin in the Woods is one that I think deserves recognition, not beca- because it is not one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It, yeah. it builds some nice tension, but that's not what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think that anybody who appreciates a list like the one we're talking about today has to give a tip of the cap to Cabin in the Woods just because of it it knows what it is so well and yeah. it and it and it had fun with us in the same way that I think in a slightly scarier vein Wes Craven's New Nightmare did because we've talked about this on the show recently yeah, we just where did, yeah. the Nightmare on Elm Street lineage was this one thing where Freddy Krueger and then Wes Craven does this movie that's like oh okay we're going to act like those movies exist in the world and now the real Freddy Krueger is out and it's like what the hell is going on for all the Freddy fans that appreciated the ride that Freddie was on from slasher to stand-up comedian. It was nice that he got to get back to his Kruger roots there. Yeah. I also want to add this too. Um, we have a great video on Rotten Tomatoes talking about scare tactics and how audiences mm. have learned to be scared differently. And the thing that was so incredible about that is for every time you get an audience to jump or scare for anything in it. Because horror fans understand that lexicon and because the language continues, the next time you do it, you have to subvert it. It's sort of the same reason why when you have comedians coming back doing old Seinfeld type bits, people are like, this feels like stale comedy. You have to subvert the established thing. And it's one of the cool things about horror is it's it's a genre that influences itself much more than all the other ones. Like like comedy and horror, they really need yes. a base yes. for how we twist and turn yeah. and pull through. And I think it's interesting looking at something like romantic comedies right now. I think horror had that moment a few years ago where it was getting stale, the, mm. the current subversion. And now people are ready for either the return to the traditional or a new subversion of that. And so it's interesting. Comedy and horror go hand in hand because you can't, the audience cannot be ahead of the joke. Yes. The audience cannot be ahead of the scare. And that's why you have so many comedy people in horror like Jordan Peele. Yeah. You have yep. Danny McBride doing the Halloween movies. You have... Um, yeah, we, we it's uh you can't you, the audience cannot be ahead of you, and yeah. that's why stand up is harder than being a musician. Wow! Oh wow! They can go back to their same journey. Doesn't hasn't had to write a new song in forty years, and they can Facts. still headline stadiums. I got to write new crap every time I get up there. Same thing with a horror movie; you can't repeat the scare unless you're doing it a decade later, and it's like an homage to something. Right. But if we're talking about the specific scariest scenes in a movie. You, t- you take all the horror movies you've ever seen. What is the moment? What is what is that one part that still gets you that you're just watching with with your eyes through your hands? You're sleeping with one eye open that night, all the lights on. What's the scariest horror scene for Danny Fernandez? So this is the movie that I would have to add into this top 10 list. Okay. And it's Blair Witch Project. I, mm. I have no idea how the Blair Witch didn't end up on here. It is one of the most terrifying movies I mean, and, and again, yep. we're talking about like practical and something that you're not even really seeing. And you you feel that's the whole thing, though, is you fill in that with your own. Your mind can make up more, infinitely more terrifying things. And so the final scene that everyone knows what I'm talking about is one of the most terrifying scenes in cinema. Because we see dude and he's in the basement of the Blair Witch's pad. It's, it's like the worst episode shriek. of MTV. Watch Crips. it on YouTube. I sw- even me watching it in broad daylight with the sun fully out on YouTube on my little phone is ter- like listening to her screeching. Yeah, yeah. And he's just standing in the corner and the way he's standing, it's like you did something bad that day, Junior. Yeah. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Hitchcock in this just because yeah. he was the king of scares and obviously the shower scene has become what it is, but you have to remember, people stopped bathing after seeing that movie mm-hmm. in 19. Because that was 
the most familiar thing you could do at that time. And he made it terrifying. Still to this day, I don't walk yeah. into any bathroom at like any place I'm not familiar with, but like punching the, the, <laughs> the shower curtain. But I think the scene for me, and this is just as a black person watching this movie, but I think a lot of black people can say this. In Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. when he is walking out and he sees those men coming towards him, I personally said, this is the scariest moment for this character because I just knew what was going to happen in that moment. And every black person watching that movie knew what was going to happen to him in that moment. It was not the zombies. White men with guns, seeing him in that moment, you just knew he was going to die. And because of everything that had happened before that, you were so scared and terrified for him and you still knew the inevitability of it. It's just, yeah. The the thing about George Romero's movie anyway is that it's such a scary, Night of the Living Dead is a terrifying concept regardless of who you cast and and the fact that it was the first horror film to feature a black lead in prominence like that. I mean, it was really one of the first movies Movies, that was made for a mainstream audience. This is coming on the heels of the civil rights movment. So to have that film come out in 1968, 68 is a good year for horror. Very good year. Because you also had Rosemary's Baby that year. Yes, Mm. another terrifying one. Basically, another familiar thing, making women at that time whose sole like purpose in life was child rearing and yeah. to make that yeah. the most terrifying thing that they can do. Sis, no. <laughs> and speaking of child rearing, my scariest scene, I have two of them because I'm, I'm a huge fan of this stuff. Number two on our list is hereditary. Oh, yeah. And the scene where the poor girl, this is, I I let Molly the Wonder Dog put her head out the window because she loves feeling (laughs) the wind. Wow. But I know if I'm driving. What a comparison. Hey, that's the closest that I'm ever going to be to being either an older brother of a young girl or a father or anything like that. The the poor girl, she's, she's not feeling well. We're trying to get her to the hospital. She puts her head out the window the wrong time. Conk is all I'm going to say. The other one that I have involves a head as well. But it's sort of playing off of the classic scare from Halloween where Laurie looks out the window and she sees Michael Myers hanging out by the laundry line, right? And then you look back and you don't see that person anymore. I love those kind of scares, yeah. right? You can call them jump scares, whatever you want. James Wan's great at them. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of filmmakers that, that really knock it out of the park. But The, the Strangers is, is my other scene. And it's not anything too deep in the movie. It's just that first shot where you see Liv and Scott, and they're just kind of trying to, hey, do, did you hear something? you hear something? And then in the background, you just see this head in a burlap sack, look in, and then look back out. Woo! Airbnb. Look out. <laughs> wow. Look wow. out is all I'm saying. Barbarian, another great one up there. So um, who's the uh, who's the horror director that you got that y'all look at, and you're like, this is, I'll see anything that this person puts out. I think Jordan Peele, recently on a lot of people's yeah, list, you yeah. go back to the classic, like Hitchcock, you and Carpenter. I were both talking about Psycho because we both saw it recently. Yeah. And the shower scene. The thing I'll put up there, though, is not not just the thing, which is a great movie with John Carpenter, but people don't consider this a horror movie. I think it's just transcended into all-time blockbuster classic in the same way that Psycho scared the crap out of everybody from mm-hmm. ever getting a shower again. Jaws had an effect on folks. Fair. Jaws, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. when I was a kid going to video update, <laughs> Jaws was in the horror section, and mm. I think that's warranted. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, what do you have? For best, uh, for the best filmmaker, director, filmmaker, you, where you're like, I'm down with this whole filmography. I have to do Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to. You know, what's really funny is um, I did a, a little poll on my Twitter of like, the what is the scariest movie? Like what it has to be on your list? And so many people, aside from The Exorcist, which I think is iconic that both of these came out decades ago and are still beating, you know, to right. some extent uh, with their practical effects. Um is the thing. 
Everybody Ooh, said the thing. That was so that is many. surprisingly not on, not on there. Yeah, the thing, it, it's weird because the thing and Alien, I think, is another one where maybe they got a little too sci-fi and people consider them that now. No. But the thing is great because it's just like, wait, are you really Danny? Are you really Jacqueline? Or is there something else going on in there? Yeah, no, I like, again, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, any of those friend or foe, you can't believe your eyes type movies. Mm-hmm. Again, it's something where what you consider due north just gets completely, I think, shifted no matter what. I don't know who like my favorite like series of directors is no matter what, but I will say anytime Guillermo del Toro is touching monsters, right. I'm, I'm there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm not saying that every single one, but even something like Shape of Water, which is also a monster tale and, mm-hmm. and, and Hellboy. It's just if this man is dealing with what I know to be his most prized form of filmmaking, meaning yeah. the monster movies. He's and that's even scary stories in the dark. He did yeah. that really well. Even yeah. though that's not my type of horror necessarily, he did that one very, very well. You know, something is I was listening to Michael Giacchino who just did uh, mm-hmm. Werewolf by Night. Mm. And he said that he I think it's something about why I'm going back to the composer filmmaker like tie-in, is that he actually, as they were doing the dailies, like he would, he would compose the music and play it for the actors the next day. And I'm like, what a gift. (laughs) What a gift to hear in your head. What what your character is going, what's going to be playing over the terrifying thoughts of your character. And so that's why I think with Carpenter, it's just so like... Why are you giggling? <laughs> because I hear that and I'm like, John Carpenter just did dun, 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 and, and it was That's great. That's not all he's no, I'm, but, I'm, it, but it's, it's but, great. But but my, my question is this. Is that in Giacchino's pay or is that like extra? No, because it's in his pay. You're there every day and you're composing. You're writing new music. He couldn't not do it. He couldn't not thing. do he's it. A compo- yeah, like, he couldn't compo- not do it. He's and an he artist. was He was watching the playback and he was like, I know exactly how this is going to sound. I need a little kickback. I can't kick believe, I mean, can someone write, Mar- I can't believe you just nah. said that John Carpenter's only like those two. No, I'm I mean, saying that like, Carpenter wrote it in advance. Carpenter had the music all already. He's do- that's not all he's, the music I've he's done. I've seen John Carpenter in concert. He's amazing. Okay. Escape from New York. I feel the shade. I, I felt, you honestly, on this platform, um, for folks that don't know, um, uh, we, we we always be kind to John Carpenter because uh, one morning a few years ago, we accidentally killed him and he's still very much alive. Okay. <laughs> we, oh, really? Yeah. This is like, At least I didn't oh, do that. Yeah, no, it was like, it was like, we actually said, it was just like a wrong quote on a social post. But then we did a great article on Rotten Tomatoes where we were like, so we killed John Carpenter, but we called to apologize. Yeah, and we and, wrote and a great paper about it. It, it wasn't a, a, a talent knock at John Carpenter. It's just that he's directing Halloween. So he's there anyway every day. Michael Giacchino is a, is a composer he, he, who, who directed, directed this. And yeah. so I'm just wondering, it's like, I don't know. I, I would need a little bit kick. You brought up Jaws and it has that done. Yeah. Now, that's half of, that's I would say that's half of why that was so iconic. I would say it's 70%. The, I mean, the, yeah. what, then the music ma- the music makes a lot of these horror I'm movies. I'm not saying it doesn't. I just want payment for my work. Michael was I think they get paid. You're, because you're it's like wild. it's like Ricky Gervais because I actually remember interviewing Stephen Merchant and he <laughs> talked about this when Ricky Gervais did the Office, the reason why Stephen Merchant started guest starring was like cuz we both created the show. We both wrote on the show. He got an extra check. And he's like, I'm gonna go and do another one. And so, like, of course, Michael gets an extra check. Of course, he's okay. What is it. the best? What is the best horror movie score? Is oh. it Jaws? Is it Halloween? I gotta go with um, it. Follows soundtrack so great. It was like my number two most listened to of any music on Spotify. What, what the last John, couple of I I can't picture. There's like a bass line that's kind of creepy in it, right? 
Um, Let's see. When um, somebody appears Zoster behind piece. you. Thank you for that. You were like one of my number one listen to artists. Okay. Mm. All right. I'm going to do Silence of the Lambs. I love that score. I believe that's Thomas Horner. I like what Friday the 13th does. James Horner. James I Horner. like the Also The Shining. Sorry, I got to throw that out there too. The beginning of that. Shining's a good one. Um, Shining is amazing. Yeah. I am going to take the music from Psycho. Great. Because it's it takes you on the ride the whole way, not just with the shower scene, but mm-hmm. with Marion's journey, and there like it gets tense, and she's 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 committing a, basically a crime here across state lines, and you just you feel nervous for her and for what the rest of this movie has the entire time. But then I'll also say, going back to our show a few weeks ago, Nightmare on Elm Street for me, the one two Freddy's coming for you, yeah, just Chef's kiss. I would also, just to put on this list, because this past weekend at Middleburg, I sat down with Michael Abels, who won this year's award for Best Composer, and anybody who could make I Got Five on it be that effing terrifying. (laughs) Great. Got my money, sir. Like, legit, he did us, which I think is like a lot of these composers, um, when you look at it in a classical music sense, because folks that don't know, I'm a classical music stan, it's not complex composing. It's not complex musicality. In fact, it's quite simple musicality, yes. and most of them are borrowing from the masters anyway. Like uh, Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back, James, <laughs> he just stole that from somebody else. But what is interesting is how they use tempo and syncopation to mm-hmm. add scares. And Us is a perfect example of that. They're just like huge violin, like like um, like leaps and, and intervals that really wake you up and they make you feel like something is coming outside and it's so off-putting. Yeah, there's there, the use of music in, in Drag Me to Hell really gets me to it. Sam Raimi's another guy you should probably bring yes, up just because yeah. of the Evil Dead franchise, but Drag Me to Hell is a scary-ass movie. It's fun, it's pulpy, but the music in that, it's there's some sort of instrument that feels like turn of the century, 18 to 1900s, and I don't know if it's like an out-of-tune fiddle or like an old violin or something, but it just sounds creepy. Yeah. Right they, from they, the start. They do do that. I mean, luckily in the award space, I get to talk to some of these composers and they do everything. I mean, Robert Edgar's got for the witch old period music and oh. uh, oh, musical yeah. instruments, like their version of what a guitar was at that time, their version of what an organ was at that time. Like even like something that's not a horror movie, but like the secession, the secession theme is played on an out of tune piano because it's supposed to be this oh, musical yeah. music where things are just a little bit dissonant. It's beautiful so and it's pretty and it's elevated, but it now nah, it scares the crap right. out of me every week. And <laughs> when you fun. watch the beginning of Succession, the old like the old footage, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm watching Sinister. That's and that yeah. was his intention is because he wanted you to see something and feel it picturesque because the melody is actually an incredible. There's a great video where he breaks it down as well. It's really melodic melody, mm-hmm. yeah. except for this one little D, this one little D that's just like an off putting key that doesn't belong there and playing it on an out of tune 18th century piano. Mm. You really feel the legacy of hate that this empire is built on. I'm looking at some of these other horror movies that have come out recently, and so I'm going to rattle off a few that have come out in the last couple of years, and y'all tell me if they have any shot of getting into your top 10. The Babadook. Yeah, maybe. From That's from 2014. Babadook is great. I yeah. don't know if it's in the scariest, Never really scared iconic. me as much as I just iconic, enjoyed yeah. watching it. But I'd say iconic. Okay, here's a good one. Dr. Sleep, playing no. off of The Shining. No, not on your life. Sorry, Ewan. I appreciated you as a person. I thought it was a great movie. I just didn't think it was as scary. I'm glad you did. I like that. You know what's scary than Dr. Sleep? The shining sequence in Ready Player One. Because you go back to the Overlook Hotel and you're just existing there for like, because Spielberg loves that movie and he loves Mm -hmm. Kubrick. He loves Kubrick, that's for sure. So getting back to go to The Shining is another one. Uh, Here's a good one. Midsommar. No. Absolutely, positively not. Uh, You know, yeah, I agree. You know, I have such a... Let me just put it out here. Still think it's trash. 
told him to in that day. William Jackson Harper, sir, I'm so glad you have found better. Oh, wow. Uh, what I have to say is I have such um, a visceral reaction to that film. And so then I think it's done its job. I do have to sure. say that there are a couple of movies when people are like, I hate this movie. And I'm like, okay, then maybe it has done its job. No. And so I feel that way just personally. And my friends are like, why, why do you hate it so much? Why is it so traumatizing to you? I'm like, I never want to see that movie again. And therefore you did a good job. Yeah. I'm not going to anyway say that Ari did not achieve his goal in making me disgusted by the entire property. Like he definitely, that's what he's going about. And if you know his like more extended shorts filmography, you will know that like that level of shock and disgust is something that he loves to lean into. Um, you get um, hints of it welcome with Hereditary. At the yeah, you get hints at it. Welcome to the Johnsons, I think it's called. Like check out that short mm. if you want to hear what I'm saying. Um, is that different from Johnson Family Vacation? In in so many ways, trust me. In so many ways, fun road trip romp. Um, you know? But I will say this: um, Florence is incredible oh, in it. Incredible I, in so it. Great. I just think the movie great. is not near as smart as it thinks it is, and I think it's playing with some pretty pedestrian themes. And I think all for all the visual spectacularness of it, it is a pretty hollow effort. Those two old as, people, they get to the top of the rock and it's like, it ain't going <laughs> well for you. Not going to say that it doesn't have cinematic moments and that certain people will enjoy it. But if anybody wants to do a Rotten Tomatoes wrong episode on Midsommar, I will come with my thoughts. Uh, wow. Here's a, here's a, a, a sort of horror <laughs> subgenre. They haven't really opened up that much. We recently had Chris Rock starring in Spiral. And so I'm just going <laughs> to open up the four for the Saw franchise. Anybody, any takers. I'm not a big torture porn kind of guy. That like first it, yeah. saw was really good. Yeah. And we had Liv Morgan, the wrestler on the show, and she was awesome talking about how much she likes that. So it sort of got me into saw. I still haven't seen all the sequels yet. I feel like I, I kind of know where it's going. I, I'm not saying but that Jigsaw's I saw classic, right? I love torture. Like, I'm not saying I'm against torture porn movies or like that. I love them. But I will say if you're going to do it, do it well. And like audition to me is the ultimate version okay. of that, where it wasn't just this person is being tortured there was a reason behind the torture and there was a like a sort of methodical nature to it that made it even more sinister. Like the the torture was the point mm. and there was no allusions to anything else. Like this is meant to be mm. punitive in, in mm. so many ways. And it's it's twisted, but terrifying. But there's other things too, like red shoes is another one. Girl um, possessed by these red shoes that she's trying to use to like achieve her goals. And it's a take on the red shoe ballet, but it takes it to a whole new level. Oh, I was thinking it was like a darker like Mike where oh, she just finds shoes. Oh, I, thought, and... I went to Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were always told as kids, the ruby slippers are good for you. Not yeah. so much. Not so much in red shoes. Uh, I do have to get, I do think both Saw and Purge, those franchises, I think they do pretty well. Like I do want to say that they're innovative and I like, I like the fact that they are in the our horror, you know, I think they could live on forever. Purge is a great concept. Yeah, I think they're great concepts and I have to give my hats off to them. I just feel like Purge lends itself better to like, like hardcore action. So I like the Purge Anarchy. There's no is way the it's best in the action. Punisher movie I've it ever is, seen. It is in a, it is in the, in the horror section at Blockbuster. Get Frank Grillo in here. It is in the horror section at Blockbuster. Mark, it is not. But in the later action. efforts, I do think they've <laughs> leaned more towards the action than the horror. Like especially like First Purge, I think was way more of an action movie. Yeah, the First Purge was. But yeah. now confusing our chronology, the actual First Purge film that came out called The Purge. Yeah. Good horror movie. Good horror movie. There exactly. The first, like the first installment of the Purge. <laughs> Good horror movie. The First Purge, later installment, starring a mostly black cast. More of a action movie. More of an action flick. That's yeah. where it goes. So, okay, I, I got two more. Uh, I, got, I got a franchise and I got a single movie. 
that I want to bring up that I feel like deserve consideration to be in the top 10, whether it's by tomato meter or it's the fan poll that we're talking about today. The Scream franchise needs to get mentioned, even if you don't think it's that scary. I, that first one still has its moments, especially if you were seeing it for the first time. The opening of Scream, which being a classic homage to When a Stranger Calls, which, by the way, one of the scariest movies of the 70s, just the opening and subverting expectations with having this big star Drew Barrymore, and then she just gets gutted in the first five minutes. What the hell is going on? It's such a great way to open a horror movie and a franchise. Yeah, why hasn't she done that on the Drew Barrymore show? I'm feeling very upset about this. Seriously. She must have. I think she has. She has? Have yeah. I missed this? Have I missed this? Like, I need to do a reenactment. I see Alicia Silverstone every week oh. doing a new scene from Clueless. Like, where is <laughs> where is Drew on the phone pretending someone's got a gutter like a fish? The Drew Barrymore show right in the middle of my nap schedule. Gosh. Oh, wow. Um, oh, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, Scream, I mean, yes, I have to say that that is one of the best openings in horror history. And also just the, what's your favorite scary movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That line just lasting us for decades. Um, I love what they're doing. I was curious how with the new Scream that they were going to get teenagers to answer the phone. And so I think that that's <laughs> clever. Um, but gosh. And also, and, and the reason why the Scream franchise carries on is like this, this idea of like the copycat, mm -hmm. which I do think is terrifying, um, even though we're talking about about slashers, like I, I do think the idea that somebody would want to take up this mantle and it could be anyone. Yeah. Um, love it. God, right. such yeah. a great '90s, iconic '90s horror movie. Last movie on my list is an iconic horror movie from the '90s. '99 is when it came out, and it's one of the highest-grossing horror films of all time. And it's got a signature moment. I see dead people. The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Great movie. I had it ruined for me, and it still scared the crap out of me. Yeah, it's I not saw it too much. late. That, that was that was my fault. Not too much for me. That one's a great thriller horror movie. Definitely got all the elements, but it did not scare me. When Haley is describing what it feels like to have a ghost near you, when it's like you know when the hair on the back of your neck stands up, that's them. I was in the theater so like I'm never gonna sleep again. Scariest thing for me about that was the woman with Munchausen murdering Misha Burton. Yeah, that, that was the scariest uh, yeah. thing about okay. that whole film for me. And that's scary-ish, but <laughs> not in the scary. Like again, it was just something I could compartmentalize easier than I think some of the other installments. I do want to not leave this list because there's been some really great POC horror films of recently. Mm -hmm. Tiger's Not Afraid, Itza Lopez, mm -hmm. but his house, his house yes. with the African refugees coming over to the UK and it is like, get out in reverse. Like mm -hmm. it is, ooh, oh my gosh, so terrifying. Very Rosemary's Baby. There's a ton of like, I think, um, tales like that where we've sort of, subverted and moved past things. Even Nanny, a new movie that came out on Amazon this past mm. week, which is about a Senegalese version of The Little Mermaid, which the original Little Mermaid is also a horror movie. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. And that version of that that I love is The Lore, which is a Polish uh, rock musical horror film about mermaids that murder the men that they sleep with at their sex club. That sounds like a fun Can't, live it event is great. for all it of us to go to. It is so good. I love the Lord. Can we go to the theater and like Rocky Horror Picture it? Like, I are would. we throwing rice at the screen and stuff? The songs are bops. The songs are bops. Okay, they so really are. Let's go around. Any any horror movie that you feel like did not get mentioned or your favorite your I just champion? I have to mention this. I don't know if it goes on the list, but one of my favorites growing up was Signs. Wow. The yeah. iconic Coast scene sign. that everyone remembers, the birthday Ooh. scene, yeah. the, the ah. is behind. 
Yeah. And then you see everybody in my theater. It was yeah. a packed theater in Dallas, Texas. I mean, it was great. It was like a Saturday night when you want to go. Every single, at the, at the AMC there, every single uh, seat was taken. And when that alien came by, everybody freaked out. Because we were trained so to be, because the movie was so, so smart. Because leading up to that, Shyamalan trains us to be looking for like a green leg in the corn. And so we're just so focused. And then the birthday party camcorder footage emerges and the, no, he's just out now. Yeah. Now the alien's just walking around. It's so good. I part. I was saw that in the same theater where I saw the ring with my sister. My brother and I saw signs and we're leaving the theater. We parked our car all the way out towards the woods and we're both walking towards my Honda Civic EX a little trepidatiously because <laughs> there's nothing but woods and we're like, how many signs extraterrestrials are lurking out there? Um, for me, it's the first horror movie I saw in a theater and my my aunt took me and my sister when I was way too young to see it, Pet Cemetery. Cemetery is a pretty good one yeah. too. Not the scariest movie. There's actually some some good satire in Pet Cemetery. Mm -hmm. When you go back and watch it as an mm -hmm. adult, Zelda still gets me. And the concept alone is because we all care about our pets more than we do ourselves, and at least in my case. And so if you take them to the great beyond and then they come back, it's like all you want to do is just cuddle your your sweet kitty or your sweet doggy one more time, but that ain't them anymore. Yeah. I think I've said the ones I will, but I'll also add on there Tales from the Hood, because that is just such a great and classic, iconic horror film. I love, love Tales from Can the Hood. Can I add on Leprechaun in the Hood? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a Leprechaun in the Hood is the best of the Leprechaun franchise. I love it, love it, love it so much. No and the, argument here. And again, just what should not be ridiculous and what should not be funny is also just incredibly scary. You know what's funny? What we haven't talked about here on, <laughs> that much at all is uh, Dracula. is like a vampire. Yeah. But Bram mm -hmm. Stoker's Dracula, first of all, it took me a year to rent it because it was always out of video update. There was always out of stock. We didn't have a blockbuster where they had the guarantee. It took me forever to see Bram Stoker's Dracula. Good jump scare in there towards the end. But you go all the way back to the original, the lineage of vampire movies and, and the Wolfman and stuff like that. It all led up to what we have now, which is where we get to go back and revisit movies and we get to remake them like The Invisible Man and sometimes create a new franchise doesn't always work. We tried to get the Dark Universe back up and running. Listen, the Dark Universe seems to be doing okay. We got Renfield coming out. We got mm -hmm. The Wolfman with uh, with uh, Ryan Gosling, and they already really killed it with Invisible Man. I think, like so many other things, the initial intentions were not where they went, but where yeah. they ended up going was the right place. I don't know. You can still give me Russell Crowe as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I, I say that's that. probably fair. All right, so we are going to transition now to Mailbag. I love doing mailbag because we get to interact with our fans. Sometimes we get to meet you in person, like Jacqueline and I did this past weekend. This is Ketchup Crew member Greg Sutherland. Y'all can be like, Greg, email us anytime. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. Greg, fresh Ketchup Crew member, says, Hello, I'd love to hear a podcast discussing 2004's Van Helsing. One of my favorite podcasts is when you discuss 1999's The Mummy, and I feel Van Helsing is in a similar vein, having shared the same director. Van Helsing represents a proper Hollywood blockbuster filled with action, sex, and is, of course, pretty damn ridiculous. As a kid, I remember enjoying this movie so much, and to be honest, my love has never diminished the stakes literally of the plot, the costumes, the visuals. The love of all supernatural elements make it so much more than the 24% it has on Rotten Tomatoes. Is Van Helsing just 24% on the tomato meter? Yeah, Yikes. I mean... This is the one thing with Van Helsing. I see why it got such a low rating, but it's not entirely the movie's fault. I think it was just exhaustion mm -hmm. at that point mm -hmm. with this type of film, like what yeah. they felt was just another IP cash grab. So I don't disagree with that. Like that, that, that this one got a short end of the state. 24 is low, though. It's fun. Is low. That's fun. 
The Mummy's good. We didn't even the talk about. Really we didn't even talk about Underworld too. That's technically a horror movie too, and that's Kate Beckinsale's in, in Van Helsing. That's what I remember. It was yes. Wolverine Maybe meets I have Underworld. Seen it, like you know what I mean? Wolverine I meets Underworld in a movie. I think I have seen it, but I don't remember, which I feel is not great. That's the endorsement. That yeah, but again, Van Helsing. You look at the year two thousand four. That's what we saw Hugh Jackman and a, and a wonderful actor, wide range. But we're at that era. We just were like, dude, just rip the claws out. Yeah, just rip the claws out and just get this movie over with in five minutes. All right, be like Greg. Email us at RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. Danny, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for coming back. You defended a goofy movie valiantly with your first time on RT is Wrong. We're we're working on it. We're working on the tomato meter. Hey, look, Jacqueline and I almost single-handedly have lifted Sister Act 2 into fresh territory. I mean, I will say this. What is interesting is I was actually doing a conversation about the holiday the other day, and when we did the episode, it was four, and when we wrote the book, it was 47%. It is now 51. Whoa, look at that. So that is a three. Changing lives. And in Rotten Tomatoes, like, numbers-wise, that is impressive. Yeah, and the holiday, a good companion movie with Barbarian. You're going to a new house. Uh, Do you trust it? Is somebody already there? Is Drunk Jude Law coming in? Uh, What are you working on right now? Where can all the kids follow you? All that good stuff. You can follow me at Ms. Danny Fernandez. It's M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. And Mark, you are actually in. I shot my first uh, horror film that's going to be going to a festival. Well, not like the first one that I've written that I also got to be in and our friend uh, Robert Butler directed and Mark- uh, I got to be an office worker. Was uh, in it. I was in the background and I was the perfect office worker because I was in character that day because we shot my scenes on a Sunday in the fall, and so every chance I got, I had my my football. I had oh my yeah, four that would have been you. And yeah. So and so it was kind of like a normal office worker during March Madness. So I, yeah. I really got into character yeah. for you, my dear friend. Danny Fernandez. So follow her at Miss Danny Fernandez on all social media platforms. Um, that is Danny Fernandez, our guest here today on the scariest movies of all time. For Jacqueline Coley, I am merely Mark Ellis. I'm in Seattle this weekend. One show only. You can get tickets at markellis.live. Uh, it's Friday night, October 28th, and then the special is taping December 3rd right here in Los Angeles. Tickets at my website as well. For Jacqueline, for the whole team here, I, we did it. Wait, yeah. What, and then we have next week. Next, next week. week. Yeah, it's so great, guys. Um, the book that this podcast was made off of, it only took us almost 125 <laughs> episodes to do an episode on it. The cover of our book, Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, is Step Brothers. It is Will Ferrell and John C. Riley jumping into the pool. And we're going to do that next week. It's like when Jack and I saw the Meg and we looked at each other and we said, do we just become best friends? Yes. <laughs> Powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.